Lord, we want the reality of who you are. Don't want to play games. Don't want to just hear something interesting. You can just Google something interesting, Lord. We want the, we want the power of the Holy Spirit. We want you alive in the stock, God. We want to know what you would speak to our hearts. We dare to believe by faith that that's what you would do. That's what your word says to you, that you lead us into all truth, that you're alive in us. We just sang and welcomed you, just remembered what, what, what you did for us on the cross, Jesus. I pray as we step into your word now, we'll step into a holy place with boldness, Lord God, that, uh, with expectations that you would do whatever it is that you want to do. Um, and that what you want to do isn't limited by our limitations, um, even by our imagination, Lord God. You can break us free this morning, Lord God. You can heal us. You can restore us, Lord God. You can, you can set us onto the path that you have for us, Lord God. You can heal any hurt, Lord God. You can empower us in any way you want to, Lord. We just say that we're yours. When I say that I'm yours, Lord, beyond anything I've prepared, beyond anything I've written, Lord God, I want, Lord God, your Holy Spirit to move and speak in this space this morning. So I surrender to you, um, to your will, to your ways, to your words, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to speak from uh, Galatians 5. A couple of weeks ago, um, I saw from Galatians 5 as well. A couple of weeks ago, yeah, I spoke from, from Galatians 5. And uh, it was one of those weeks where just a lot of people were missing for some reason or other. You know, it was just it was a weird one. It's a bit of a weird week, actually. You know, I was on it. I was like, I was sick and I came, like, well, I probably wouldn't have been here except I was preaching and on worship. And then I came and there ended up being like five of us left or something after the kids all went out and I'm like, I'm sick and trying to figure it out. And, and uh, and, um, but at the same time, I felt that there was something really of the Lord in that message. It's recorded and on the podcast, and I don't do this often, but if you get a chance, go to the podcast and check it out. Because, um, uh, I don't know, very often, and uh, I don't know, just sometimes this happens, guys, right? And it's maybe it's a bit of a challenge to us, just, to, just for commitment at church and to be around and to be on, like, listening. And, like, very often when I'm writing a sermon, right, I'll, have, I'll picture people in my mind, right? I'm going to picture you, Jay, do you know what I mean? But it's not like now I start writing a sermon for you, do you know what I mean? But there's something resonates with me as I'm like writing it, or I'll picture you Ken or Sean, you know? And uh, and nine times out of ten, it's weird, but what happens is then that person isn't there on Sunday, right? <laughs> or they're there but they're on kids' church, you know what I mean? Or they're there but they're serving in some other way and not engaging. I don't know what I don't know what it is, do you know what I mean? But um if I was to if I was to think if I was to be worried about it being something, is that the enemy in some way comes and knocks us out of the word that's meant for us through whatever, busyness. Through, through that stuff, right? And I'm not saying exactly that that's it, but let me submit it to you, right? And, and just, just call us to, like, to be together, do you know what I mean? And when we're together, to be switched on to, like, this is a good space to be, we're, 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 we're switched on, to, this is where we come together, we remind one another who God is to us, we build one another up, where the gifts are distributed amongst us that we can, we can we, for the common good, and, and uh, yeah, just encourage you in that. And then, if you don't, just listen to the podcast, right? <laughs> if you can't listen for whatever reason, but, uh, um, yeah, I'll just submit that to you. Um, I want to preach from Galatians 5, or as I was preaching it last time, there was something that stood out to me that, that hadn't before. And last time I spoke, I spoke, I spoke about this, I started with these verses, the first slide here. Um, where Jesus says, um, or where Paul says, it was for freedom that, that Christ has set you free, right? You're called to freedom, brothers. It was for freedom that Christ has set you free. And uh, last time I spoke, there's just, I think this, I think it just, there's two things, right, that can get in, our, in the way of us actually living in that freedom. And the first one isn't maybe what we would expect, but that's the topic of the book of Galatians, is that we'd be freed from, uh, freed from performance. You'd be freed from religion. In fact, Paul says in this, when he talks around this stuff, he's like, he's like, if you try and add anything onto Jesus, in the case of the Galatians, it was circumcision, but you, you take whatever it is. Do you know what I mean? Your performance, 
the things you achieve, your reputation, your credentials, your righteous living, any of that, right? Take that and add it on to Jesus. He says it's like you've been separated from Christ. He says like you've fallen away from his grace. Basically saying, Jesus plus anything else, you're, you're just writing off Jesus because you're saying he's not, he's not enough. And uses that language like you've fallen away from his grace. If we were to always say, oh, someone's fell away from the grace of God, you might think of someone who's gone off on a mad and living it up, doing whatever they want, right? But Paul talks about people falling away from the grace of God. He's talking about the people who are trying to live by their works. On the outside, they might look righteous. They look like the holy people. They look like they're doing what they're meant to be doing. But but their hearts are far from God because they're not resting on what Jesus did. Right? So one thing he wants to free you from is like it's for freedom you've been set free. No longer to be subject to a yoke of slavery. That yoke is the weight of our own performance. So think we need to add anything to what Jesus has done because he's done everything from beginning to end. Right? And then he anticipates what humans do. Um, the second thing, like, so we say, we don't need to do anything. Jesus has done it all. So then our sinful nature twisted and says, well, I'll just go and do what I want then. Yeah? doesn't matter how I live. doesn't matter what happens. Like, Jesus has just won it all. And he says, no, this, that's not how you're meant to use your freedom. And he calls us to do this. He, he, he puts out these two lists. This is what the sinful nature wants from you. It wants stuff that's just going to feed the self. It wants stuff that's just going to... And it brings destruction. But instead... He says, yield to the Holy Spirit. And this is huge. This is the this is last, last week's sermon, right? But it's, it's this idea that in the battle that we face against the sinful nature, the resistance of sin and that, it's not you battling the sinful nature. What Paul says in Galatians is there's a battle going on between, inside you, but it's between the Holy Spirit and the sinful nature. And the one that gets dominance of your life is just the one that you surrender to. That's, that's massively different than, I mean, this big battle against sin. I need to do this and discipline myself and try harder and get up earlier and pray and flow myself and whatever it looks like to discipline myself into. Instead, it says, keep in step with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit produces what he wants to produce in his life. He talks about the fruit of the Spirit. It's love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and gentleness, and self-control. He says, against such things, the law has no standing. Legalism is powerless to produce those things in your life. But yielding to the Holy Spirit does. So either you can be a slave to your own performance or you can be a slave to your sinful nature or you can live in the freedom that Christ set you free from and submit to the leading and the yielding, the, the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, right? That was, that was last week's last week's sermon. It's to learn this way of trust and surrender. But as I dwelled on it, there was something that I, 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 I noticed for the first time, really. And it came kind of like a moment of revelation as I was preaching the other week. And it was from this, 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 this verse here um, in verse 13. He says, speaking about this freedom again, we have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature, which I already spoke about there, right? But he says, instead, use your sinful nature, use your, your freedom to serve one another in love. Use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. Use your freedom to serve one another in love. That was, that was usually like, right, so, if I was writing the Bible, or I was writing a section, I would say, don't be, don't be, what, let's start there. You've been called to live in freedom, my brothers. Don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature, right? So don't God's sin. But then I would say, instead, you know, use it to work on yourself. Do you know what I mean? Use it to get rid of all the, the hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Use it to get rid of all the stuff, and, and to live, in, 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 live it free you. Use it to find satisfaction for yourself. Yeah? Use it to find, like, even in the Lord, use it to find a rejoicing in the Lord, and peace in the Lord, and patience. Use it to find this, this stuff. But 
But, but that's all really, that's all really just about me, yeah? And I, I, I just, my eyes were awoken to sometimes I read this scripture and I miss out on, and Jesus makes it so, so stupidly obvious, do you know what I mean? Like, but, because Jesus is asked at one point, what's it, what's, what's the greatest commandment? Response, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? And the second is like, love your neighbor as yourself. Meaning, to be righteous. When he said, he said all the law and the prophets hang on this, right? And this is what all quotes here. For it's also love this one command. He's echoing what Jesus said, right? He's meaning that to, to be righteous, to live a righteous life, actually looks like this to love, to love one another. That, that it's not just about me. We live, in, we live in an individualistic society that would say, you come along to service and you get out of it what you get out of it. And we use that language, yeah. Watch it, I really enjoyed the preaching. I got something out of that. And people would say that to me and it's encouraging and all. But I would much rather that everybody in this room came to this space and gave to one another. And what's he do out of service, man? I got to bless 20 people. I got to have a word for somebody. God's given me the gift of understanding and wisdom. I was able to speak into someone's life. God's given me the gift of healing. I was able to pray with somebody. God's given me the gift of hospitality. I was able to welcome the lonely person into my home this week. Like, that, that we, come to, we come to give because the law is summed up in this love one another. So he's like, don't use your freedom for the sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to love one another. That's the pinnacle of what it means to be, to be a Christian. And I don't know that I've always preached on love when I get it, right? You know, but very often, it's, it's internally, I think I've been immersed in this space where it's kind of about self-actualization. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of, that's what the world is saying. About you finding out who you're meant to be and all this stuff. We can kind of appeal to that nature, but, um, but there's a danger that that's also what the sinful nature appeals to. And would say, this is all about you, what you get out of it. And you make a decision based on that. Say, use your freedom. You can set free church. What are you supposed to use your freedom for? To, to love one another. To live, to live righteousness. It's like we're conditioned, I think, I am, to look at freedom from sin to be just the, like the absence of sin. So define for me a righteous person, right? Well, they don't drink and smoke or sleep around, they're faithful to their wife, do you know what I mean? They look after their, they, like we, we, we list out all this stuff. But if, the, if, if all the law and the prophets describing what righteousness means is summed up in love your neighbour as yourself, then show me a righteous person is the person who loves the most. Not the person who, like, observably is just living the most righteous life on their, on their terms, you know what I mean? Or like, carving out a space in the world for them where they feel they're doing the right thing. But to the people who are propelled by love to live, to live beyond themselves, to live on behalf of, of the other. And that's huge, man. That's, that's, that's life-changing, yeah? Like, we need to reorient what we actually believe about the universe, what we believe about this life is about, come be a Christian and have your sins forgiven and, and, and everything will be great and everything will go gracefully. And we just market this, this thing, do you know what I mean? Jesus calls us, come, lay down your life, pick up your cross and follow me. Follow the way of love. Sacrifice on behalf of others. What does he say to his disciples? Here's how people know you're my disciples. The way that you love one another. I know we've said this stuff before, but I think we need to repeat it again because you leave this space and you're in this space where of marketing and individualism and just being sold, whatever it is that you need to do to be satisfied, you go after it, buy it, pursue it, learn it, whatever it is. You know, it's all about it's all about you. But when it's all about you, we get the, the fruits of the flesh. God would want us to, to wake up to that. That yes, God wants you to be free. Yes, God wants you to have joy as it has everything. Yes, God wants you to be satisfied deep in your soul. But the end result of that isn't just a satisfied and free you. The end result of that is a you that's propelled outwards into the world to multiply that effect around to the people who, who you love and God's face in your world. There's a big call on us. We call, come singing for the Holy Spirit to come. The Holy Spirit is a missionary God. The Holy Spirit is apostolic. He's sent. 
sent by the Father. It's like the Father sends the Son and the Father and Son sent the Holy Spirit. Yeah, The Father, Son and Holy Spirit send the church where God sent people. And I'm convinced that those of us who do go around looking for just their own satisfaction, which I can fall into that trap from, you're always going to fall short of it. Because you're meant to find your fulfillment, your satisfaction, your role in life in the plans and purposes of God, which exists beyond the you, exists in the life of the other. Yeah? And <laughs> the beauty of it is that you become you become who you are meant to be as you step out in obedience to that command to love. Um, don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbour. You should use our freedom for love. Um, and that's just its a good metric, isn't it? It's good. I think it's the measure of what it means to be righteous. The metric for measuring righteousness is measured in love. How much of what I do flows from love? How much of what I think uh, originates in love? How much of what I act is motivated? The way I act is motivated by love. How much of what I feel is rooted in it? How much of who I am is uh, defined by love? And I just think, I think the enemy would, would want us to have another metric. Would want us to have just the metric of whatever. Self-actualization, internal satisfaction or something. And uh, so you might hear, you know, the call to love one another and you think, well, I'll just have a load. I'm just going to sit in the corner here and work on me for a while. Do you know what I mean? Ten years later, still sitting in the corner working on me for a while. Turns out there was more stuff to work on than I thought there was, yeah? And you're just stuck in, the, stuck in the loop of it, yeah? Waiting, waiting to be activated. What are we waiting for? What are we waiting on anything should be the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, yeah? When we have that, then you have everything you need. And it's as we walk, as we move in that way that we come alive to the things of God, that God is able to work in us. I'm convinced that he works on us in the context of his mission, yeah? Not just withdrawn, withdrawn from the world. There's more for you. The one who loves you and made you and wants the best for you and gave us life for you and will spend eternity with you, the one who won you and knows you and treasures you, says this is what life should be about. Love one another. Lord, what do you want me to do in my life? If all the law and the prophets are summed up in this command, Lord, what do you want me to do in my life? Love one another. Lord, what matters to you? What's important to you? Love one another. What should I do in my freedom, this potential you give me, the gifts you've given me? Love one another. What's it look like to be righteous? Love one another. What do you want me to do today? Love one another. What do you want me to do in this conflict that I'm facing? Love. What can I do in my life that matters? Love. We lose, we lose sight of that, right? And that might sound like remedial, right? Because in some ways it's obvious, yeah? Because everything's so little. It's in our, our you know, you understand this now, Rob, and Rob, these five loves of liberty, do you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's everywhere, but there's like layers to the, it's like ogres and onions and tracks, there's layers to this stuff, do you know what I mean? Uh, and uh, underneath there's this, there's just this. I'm just aware, right? You live in a world and I live in a world. It's going to tell you it's all about itself, right? From morning to night, it's going to tell you it's all about itself. And then we have this thing, the Word of God is telling you, God loves you, and yes, He wants to fulfill that for you, but it's not just about you. It's still something called the kingdom of God. And it's about how you can be used in the kingdom of God to love other people and see them in eternity. That it's more than, more than just you. But that battle that we talked about, Paul explains why. I think that's why it's a battle. Um, it's because of this battle with the, the sinful nature, um, this battle that's going on. If you, yeah, the next, the next verse there. 
verse 16. So I say, not let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't be doing what the sinful nature craves. The ESCRI really translated that's that. They say, um, keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Because the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And then the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. And these two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you're not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you're directed by the Spirit, you're not under obligation to the Lord Moses. He's explaining why is this the case? Why is it the case that it's much more appealing to me to, to want to look after myself and God? Because it's sinful nature. And it catches up to the self and it looks good and it sounds good. Um, but it's the sinful nature that's at, at work in us. He's speaking about the reality of our life experience. That there's these competing forces at work in us. Seeking our obedience. And the way out of that isn't by self-discipline. The way out of that isn't by our own efforts. The way out of that is by choosing to allow the Holy Spirit to be at work in us, in all, in all circumstances. That simple prayer, Holy Spirit, I submit to you. That momentary prayer, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do? What are you saying to me now? What do you want now? It's not about our own, um, our own efforts. That the root to obedience is the way of submission to the, to the Spirit of God. And now look, right, here's what Paul does then. He lists out, he lists out two different lists. And we looked at them last week. We'll look at them again, right? But look at them under this lens. He says that the, the fruits of the sinful nature are this thing, and then the fruits of the Spirit are this other thing, right? So, um, here it is in the ESG, right? Let me just read it there. It says, now, the works of the flesh are evident, right? Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, bits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, right? So there's a list of things that the flesh just desires. And if you look at them, they're all things that just feed the self, right? They're all things that just feed, feed your needs. But the fruit of the Spirit is this, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control against such things there's no law. And those who belong to Jesus are crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit, let us not become conceited, provoking one another. If you look at that list of the fruits of the Spirit, they're all other, other focused. They start with love. It says the fruit of the Spirit is love, right? Fruit singular. Some commentators believe that the fruit of the Spirit is love, and then he's saying because love sums up everything else, everything else is just an expansion of what love contains. Yeah? Love contains joy, peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and gentleness, and self control. And that would be one of what Paul says after, you know, in Corinthians, he says, like, speaking the tongue, tongues of men and angels, you can have all wisdom and fathom all things, but have love on nothing, just make a noise. And then he goes, love is patient, love is kind, love doesn't say he seeks out. So he's saying, love sums up the whole of the law, but love for who? Love for the other. It's patience with the other. It's, it's gentleness with the other. It's seeing the goodness in other people. So these are two competing lists. Um, of what it looks like. Do you have the message version there, Tree? Is that the next slide? Let me, I read this out last week, and I think, you know Eugene Peterson wrote this paraphrase of the Bible, and, um, and if he wrote it just for this list, it would, would have been worthwhile to him, right? Because you read the list, right, but the fruits of the, you know, it says the fruits of the sinful nature are envy and drunkenness and orgies, and, and, and you just like, you read them like I read it there, yeah? You just listen to that. Maybe some of them hit home, you're like, I shouldn't be doing that, or I shouldn't be doing that. But, don't really understand maybe what they what they mean, but when you you look at him expanding upon each of these things, um, yeah, there's simply a realization that this 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 is describing by this description of the sinful nature of one Bible is describing the way that the world operates right now. It operates according to the sinful nature, yeah. It's 
sinful nature is simply this, it's the, it's the nature that's, that's, and that sounds heavy, right? But it's the nature that's in submission to the enemy, yeah? It's the nature that we inherit because of the fall out of the And what happens? The enemy says, you can be like God, yeah? You choose what's right and wrong. And when we, when we choose what's right and wrong, here's what, here's what we get, because it's motivated by the self, right? So, so instead, instead of saying sexual immorality, it says this repetitive, loveless, cheap sex. Yeah? Just what the world chases after. Loveless, repetitive, cheap sex. Um, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage. Frenzied, joyless grabs for happiness. Trinket gods and magic show religion. Paranoid loneliness. Cutthroat competition. All consuming yet never satisfied wants. The brutal temper. The impotence to love or be loved. Provided homes and divided lives. Small minded and lopsided pursuits. The vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival. Uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions. And only parity in the community. But they're gone. Like this is what this is what the sinful nature produces. This is what we want. We want stuff on our terms, we want to just satisfy our own needs. And we do that at the expense of others, and this is what it results in. Just get sex or if you can get sex from people. Just get your worth based on rival and rival everyone. Depersonalise everybody else into a rival. Yeah, get your worth from putting people down. Lopsided pursuits. Like magic show religion. Just show up the church, get the goosebumps, go home. Yeah? Just, I want trinket gods, you know, stuff under my control, idolatry is that one there. The impotence to love or be loved. Ugly parodies of community. People just reaching out to try and satisfy the soul, but outside of, of God. And the world, guys, is fully aligned with that list. This is the world we live in, this is what the Lord of help us, want us to help us understand. It's fully aligned with that list. The world has made the self sovereign. Yeah? <coughs> the, self is, the self is rule, the self is the ultimate arbiter of truth. The world will tell you right now your biggest responsibility is look within, find out who you are and be true to that. Yeah? It's all over the place. In every movie, every book, every theme, and everything they say, the underlying message and everything. Look, in, look within, find out what's true to you, you go after it. But this is the fruit of that. The Bible holds out that. It's like in the world, it's immersed in it. It's, it's forming government policy, it's forming everything. This, this idolatry of the idolatry of the self, that the self is sovereign, and that life is about self-actualization, life is about you, you being you, discovering who you are. Then we have the word of God that tells us that the self is corrupted. It reminds us that the sinful nature is at play here, that we shouldn't, the heart is deceitful above all things. Yeah? There's, there's ways to seem right to a man, but in the end they lead to what? To, to death. Like that. But we can't, we can't just trust the self. Do you know what I mean? We can't just trust like this, this whatever drives we have at any given moment. And your responsibility in life isn't to just go along with them. That's not going to bring you happiness and fulfillment. That brings you this. That brings you this stuff. But instead, we have the option of being led by the Spirit of God. And this is huge, right? Because what's God saying? What he's saying is massive, right? He's not just saying, here's one list, don't do those things. Here's another list, do those things, right? He's saying, here's one list that the fruit of it Nobody's choosing necessarily to do that. They're, 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 being, they're in submission to their sinful nature, yeah? That the sinful nature is warring in them and this is what it produces, right? So if we want to move from the one list to the other, it's not about just saying no to this and yes to this. It's about, it's about recognizing that at the, the, the heart of things we have a different root and submitting to the, to the Holy Spirit. Here's what God says I want to give you my spirit to lead you into all three places. Lord, help me say this in a way that makes sense. It's more than just. It's more than the list, it's more than the religion, it's more than the self-discipline. God is saying, I'm giving you, I'm giving you me. I'm giving you me. 
How, do, how am I going to know what's the right thing to do? Not necessarily just looking within. I'm going to, look, going to, I'm going to live within you. And you can look to me. I don't know why you're looking within, but you're not looking to your own nature. You're looking to, I'm going to live in you. Those, those words are true, right? They're true. They're like, they're too big, yeah? I'm going, I'm going to live in you. I'm going to, I'm going to make my dwelling among you. Later, when people are living all sorts of things, like remember, don't you not remember? They're doing all sorts of magic. I don't know why they're sleeping prostitutes or something. Don't remember, do you not remember? The body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. Remember, like I live, I live in you. Like, and, and, he, and he appeals to that, and he, he relentlessly appeals to that. I'm just saying it, he doesn't appeal to like, don't do that because that's wrong, and you know that's wrong, and it hurts other people, all the rationalizations. Because if you just try and appeal to that, to the human intellect or to the, to the nature, then our own nature will corrupt that and it'll rationalize whatever behavior we really want to do anyway. Yeah? Like that's what that's what'll happen, right? And just find yourself just making your own religion or making your own. That's what that's what people do, right? Instead he says, yield to me, I'll live this. He's unwilling to just make it a religion. He's unwilling to just give you a list of things to do. He's unwilling to just say, instead of that, do that. Instead he's saying, Oh, I'm banking everything on this fact. I'm banking it all on the fact that God is coming and he lives in the soil power of his Holy Spirit. Like Jesus said when he was gone, the Holy Spirit was coming on and he came up every cost and people experienced it. Who's the fire came and rested on people's head and they were empowered to do things that they never could have done. Even faced into debt on behalf of other people because, because of the love that was in their hearts. It's like, it's like I'm, not, I'm not willing to just prop it up with whatever. And we're not willing. We're praying in the elders in the morning increasingly not willing to prop this stuff up with good talks, not willing to prop it up with good music, not willing to prop it up with, you can just come and, and hear some good advice and go, oh, but you want the reality of God in our lives, yeah? You want the reality of the Holy Spirit. He lives. <laughs> he lives in us. And we can yield to him. There's been moments where I've given into sin where my own self-discipline isn't enough. I think I'm not going to do this thing, I'm not going to do this thing, and then you focus on that thing, and then you do the thing. Yeah? Life. But there's never been a moment where I've always tempted to sin and said, Holy Spirit, I'll yield to you in this moment. That you don't want to sin. It's just a way of choosing. And the choice is, the choice is there. But the world, you're going to, you'll leave here, and I leave here, and I'll watch a movie, or I'll be on YouTube, or I'll read the newspaper, and it's just shouting out to you, you can do this, you can be this, earn this money, get this job, get this woman, do this thing. You know, like just saying, you can satisfy your soul, uh, be true to yourself, stuff society, stuff what the world thinks, you go after, you do you. And that sounds so appealing to us when it's presented that way. But the reason it sounds appealing to us is because it's appealing to the sinful nature. Right? It's appealing to that thing that's battling inside you. But the way past that is to is to yield instead to the Holy Spirit. And to remember the word tells us that the truth isn't found within, but it's found in God. That we have a maker and a purpose, and there's more to life than this. There's an eternity. You're deeply loved. You've been one. You're going to live for eternity with your maker. Again, righteous words, right? But you're going, to, you're going to live for eternity with your maker. In light of that, you know what I mean? Like in, light of, in light of that, how would we, how would we live? You're going to leave this place and you're going to be in a world that says it's all about you, that this is what life is actually about. I just want to remind you that the world, Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says this. It says this is what it's all about. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. And love your neighbour as yourself. The life is measured in love. It points to the potential for humanity. You don't just live for themselves and produce what the world is producing right now. But instead we live lives of love that result in something we call the kingdom of God. A world changing reality where people are redeemed and living in the way that God intended. Provided for by the death of the Son of God. Empowered by the Spirit of God. 
You and I are part of something huge. The, the next slide says that. The Prince of Syria in the, in the message version. Yeah. So, again, we read the fruits of the Spirit. This the fruits of the Spirit. Look, look, these pages kind of list them off. Right? But listen to here. Here's what happens when you live God's way. This is the message translation. He brings gifts into our life. Much the fruit, same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance of life, serenity. We develop a willingness to speak with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, and a conviction that obeys the calling that permeates all things and people. We find ourselves in royal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, but able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. Do you see the fruits of the Spirit are all geared towards the other? All geared towards what it looks like when people live according to what God would have us live with one another. But God came to restore relationship with Him and relationship with each other. And so where do we where do we start? How do you do that, right? Because it can sound and talk about the world. Right now we live in a world where all the philosophies and all are combining to, to create a whole worldview that sounds like that's completely different to what we believe. Maybe when it's presented to you, you see it, but then when you're back out in it and you're immersed in it. It's just like, how do, I, how do I observe? Where do I even start? What do I even do? And, uh, and I love this. I love, I love the simplicity of what Galatians says. It says, keep in step with the Spirit. It's not like you need to go and read another book. It's not like you need to go and become a philosopher. It's not like you need to read all the apologetics. It says, here's what you've been given, the Holy Spirit, who is a person who lives in you, and you get to walk with him. That's, 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 what, that's, what I, that's what I want us to go after. I, I, want it. I want the reality of the Holy Spirit in my life. Him to lead me and to guide me. You know what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit? Same power to raise Christ from the dead. The Spirit of God lives in you. But you'll receive power from on high. You know what it says from the Holy Spirit. But Jesus says, I want to go so that I can send to the Advocate. If Jesus thought it was better that he would go into eternity and that we would have the Holy Spirit, that that would be better for us than if Jesus was still just around walking the earth, that day living us. The Holy Spirit says that he gives gifts to one another for what? As a common good, he gives gifts. And again, not just the gifts for the heart, I want the gifts to be able to do this, that are good for what? For the common good. It's always moving us towards, towards the other. And so the way of walking the step of the Holy Spirit isn't the path of doing everything in your own power. It's the path of relying on his power. It's not the path of figuring it all out. It's the path of giving up your figuring out rights and saying, you, you have all the wisdom. It's enough for you to just tell me what the next step is. <laughs> it's enough because I can trust you. It's not the path of self-improvement. Uh, it's the path of asking him to change whatever he wants to change by his grace and by his power. It's a huge one again. I spent large swathes of my life trying to change stuff in myself that only the Holy Spirit could change. This functional kind of relationship with God, God's over there and I'm trying to get everything right so that I can impress him. Instead, the example of Jesus washing feet is like, you need to be humble enough, just let me into the mess. Let me in to clean up what you can't clean up. That's what the Holy Spirit does. It's not the way of self-effort, it's the way of humility. It's not the path of rule-keeping and religion, it's the path of relationship and dependency. And again, huge, the Holy Spirit is a person. Yeah? Is a person. It's a personality. It's a kind of like, that lives in you. It's not the list, you know what I mean? It's not the, it's not the formalities, it's, it's this person. God is saying, I'm going to give you myself so that you'll be able to live the way that I called you to live. He's not holding anything back. No bit of power, no bit of wisdom, no bit of insight, no bit of understanding. I'm going to give you myself so that you can live that way. But it's the way of 
the way it depends. We would probably prefer our own pride, our sinful nature, the, way, the tendency we have to want to make our own way in the world, we probably prefer that God says, I'm going to give you all the secrets, and then if you implement them right, you get the right results. Because then we get some sort of credit for implementing them right and getting the right results, and we can still be kind of self-made. And he says, no, I'm going, to give you, I'm going to give you myself. And you see it all over the place. You see Paul when he goes to the Corinthian church, like, when I came to you, I didn't preach using words of eloquence. Said I decided to like to speak to you simply so the cross wouldn't be lessened of its power. He's saying there's a way that we can we can lessen the cross of its power by trying to prop it up by our own wisdom, by our own intelligence, by our own powerful arguments, whatever it is, and I don't know. The church is the Lord is leading us as his church to want the realities of the things of God. And just being unwilling, unwilling to prop them up with whatever, with smart arguments, with good music, with whatever it is that might attract people to want to be in this space but leave unchanged. Yeah, um, we want we want the Holy Spirit, um, and that want and that longing is a reflection of His longing. He's given everything so that we can we can have that. Um, yeah, and the beauty of, of how we how we live this out is that the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit does it in us. So the question I just want to ask is, what path are we choosing? So we're always choosing. At any point in our walk, you can be walking according to the flesh or according to the Spirit. The key identifier of which one you're walking in is love. That's the, that's the diagnostic tool. What am I spending my time? Where's my energy go? Where's my attention go? Where's, where's my life going? Kind of be measured in that metric of love. Um, but then the key operator of that is the Holy Spirit. <laughs> not you. That it's not, I'm not loving people. I feel condemned. I'm going to try harder to love people this week. It's, I'm not loving people. I recognize that some of the fruit of my life is through the sinful nature, I yield to the Holy Spirit and what he wants to do. His power, his glory. When he does everything, he gets all the glory. Um, God wants the relationship with you. It's like the opposite of religion. Yeah, he just wants relationship with you. And I'd love to, to open the front so we can pray together. Um, and uh, keep in step with the Holy Spirit. And I felt this as we're praying the elders the other day. It's like there's a step, there's steps of faith, and I say this again, like you know, the Lord is irresistibly drawn to faith. I'm not saying it's all about the altar, all about coming up the front, and it's not about just coming up the front, so I think I did a good job with the message and I home on a high, right? It's like, is there something in us that says we actually want to the things, the things of God? There's something in us that says, I want to step into it, it's like a step of faith. God responds to that, to that faith, a step of yielding, maybe a step of yielding your own understanding. You've been trying to figure it all out, and you can't. Maybe it's a step of yielding your own self-effort if you're trying to live right and you can't. And God by His grace is revealing that to you. Maybe it's a step of giving up your religion and you recognise, man, my identity actually is tied up in and what people think of me and that causes me to just be always working on myself. If you ask me, I'm not being moved up in love. Maybe it's the step of saying, why um, have I even thought about that in love? should be measured in the love I show for others. <laughs> And the uh, Holy Spirit, I, I don't even know what it looks like to begin to do that, but I'm trusting in you, so I'm going to step in. I want to keep in step. I want to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. God's not here to do that. He's not here to do it. He's here to fill us with His Spirit, to equip us with what He's called to do, each and every one of us. Um, so I'd love to, to, to pray together. I don't know, maybe I'll sing a song, maybe we'll lay hands on, on each other. Um, we can pray for Dean and Jay said to me when we got back up, which I love. When uh, the park it up, he's like, God, you feel it again? Open it up for people to pray with you. Faith in the space if you need him and to lay hands on him and heal him. Yeah. The Holy Spirit said to give him another, you know, the gift of healing, the prophecy, the gifts of tongues, all that stuff, interpretation, wisdom, for the common good. Yeah? Meaning that you give gifts to each of us so that when we're together, we're built up. 
we're built up in them. Um, so yeah, well it's a it's a it's a open and bunch and some watches come and uh, yeah, and we'll pray together. So yeah. yeah.